I'm going to preach a message this morning that is not going to be taken very well. <laughs> but it's not going to be a message that you can run home and say, hey, I enjoyed that message. But the message today is ought to make you understand and search yourself and see where you stand with God. Not with me, not with the church, not with the members, but where you stand with God. And that's important in our lives that we know where we stand with God. I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 13. When you find your place, turn over to Matthew chapter 5. There is a phrase that's used in these two chapters that are only found in these two chapters. And it hit me when I read it. And, and it, it bored on my soul and it, it got me to thinking where I'm at with God. And I pray that you'll think your way. Don't think mad at me because I preached this message. But it gets you to thinking where you stand with God and how God sees you. It's important how we look at others. It's important how we view God. But let me tell you what, it's extremely important how God views you. And I believe this message might help you. It helped me. It got me to thinking. A lot of things that were said yesterday that got me to thinking, uh, we need to get back to doing God's work. I mean, we've, COVID has really shut God's people down. Uh, we don't do what we used to do. We don't do the things we used to do. We need to get back to doing God's work because I believe this COVID was just a wake-up call for the Christians, not the sinners, but Christian people to get closer to God and start doing God's business. Jeremiah chapter 13, verse number 1, let us stand. Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 1, Thus said the Lord unto me, Go and get thee a uh, linen girdle, and put it upon thy loins, and put it not in water. So I got a girdle, and according to the word of the Lord, and put it upon my loins. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, Take the girdle that thou hast gotten, which is upon thy loins, and arise and go to Euphrates, and hide it there in a hole of the rock. So I went and hid it by Euphrates, as the Lord commanded me. And it came to pass after many days that the Lord said unto me, Arise and go to Euphrates, and take the girdle from thence which I commanded thee to hide there, there, then I went to Euphrates and digged and took uh, the girdle from the place there where I had it. And then behold, the girdle was marred and it was profitable for nothing. I mean, it was, it was no good no more. It was nothing no more. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Thus said the Lord, after this manner will I make the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem, this evil people which refuse to hear my words, this evil people which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their hearts and walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them, and shall even as be this girdle, underline this, which is good for nothing. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for 
nothing but be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, the, the privilege to come to your house and praise you and lift your name up this morning. Lord, I pray that the hearts will be receptive, the minds will be receptive for what you have in store, Lord. Help us to realize, God, that we are your people. You are our God, and we serve thee and thee only, Father. Empty me of self and fill me with thy spirit. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. I, I've heard a lot of people say that uh, uh, the Ch King James Bible needs to be updated. It, it's behind the times. We need something more that we can understand and, and everybody can't understand the phrases that are used in the Bible. We've heard people say that uh, that dog is good for nothing. That car I got is good for nothing. People use that phrase every day all the time about different things good for nothing. I don't know how hard it is to understand that phrase good for nothing. Here we find that the Lord uh, Jehovah in the Old Testament and the Lord Jehovah in the New Testament in the flesh say the exact same thing about to the exact same group of people, his own people. And he looks at them and said, I want to tell you something about you guys. Uh, uh, Y'all are good for nothing. I, I can't do nothing with you. You're just good for nothing. Two of the greatest preach, illustrated preachers in the Bible is Jesus Christ, which is greatest, and Jeremiah. In the Bible, Jeremiah uh, and the Lord are the, are the greatest illustration that we have. Jesus Christ was the greatest preacher that we have in the Bible. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because it hath anointed me to preach the gospel and seek and save that which is lost. Jeremiah was an illustrated preacher. It seemed that every time God laid a, a message on his heart, it was always an object lesson it was always an illustration that we find remember it was jeremiah that god told him go down to the potter's house and there you cause to hear my words and when he went down there he saw the work on the wheel he said the vessel that was on the wheel was marred in the hands of the uh, 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 potter and that's where we get some of that great songs uh, god does not throw the clay away comes from the illustration of Jeremiah's preaching. We also find that Jeremiah is given a commission to go hide in different things in the wall of Jerusalem. He said, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll have thee to hear my words. And, and he went down and, and he, he hid those things in the wall. He says, these things which are hidden shall come to light because I'm going to allow the enemy to come in and break down the wall. And those things that were hidden is going to be brought to light. It was Jeremiah that God told him to go and get a, a, a bottle and go in front of the people and take that bottle and smash it down and shatter the bottle and says, and this too shall happen to you. 
It was an illustrated person, preacher. Jesus Christ was a great illustrator preacher. Jesus used the illustration of the sower. And he sowed, and some fell by the wayside, and the birds came and destroyed, and some fell on the stony grounds, could not get roots, to, and, and it was devoured. He, he preached those messages that we could see. Uh, uh, Jesus preached about a man that built his house on the rock, and he, he preached about the man that built his house on the uh, sand, and the winds came, and the rains came, and, and blew it down and caused it to destroy. He preached that message. I, I think those preachers that can take God's word and illustrate them in such a way that when you get a mental picture to where it leaves you with something of an earthly uh, plane and, and you know something that is lacking on a heavenly spiritual plane. Those are the preachers that I like listening to. And I want to listen to those type preachers. Here in the text that we read, we find that Jeremiah is using a girl and Jesus is, instead is using salt as an illustration. Every normal day table salt. But both give the exact same explanation of the message this morning. They end up in the same place. They look at these same people and you, and you wind up like salt. Uh, you don't have to be salt anymore. You would uh, take this girdle that's been ripped and torn, has been laying down doing nothing, and he says to the same group of people both times, you ain't good for nothing. You ain't good for this nothing this morning. Listen, every one of us have something that we're afraid of. We're afraid of going bankrupt for those who got money. If you're like me, <laughs> that is not a fear. It's not there because I ain't got it. We, we, we're afraid of losing our house. We're, we're afraid of losing our cars. We're afraid of losing our husband. We're afraid of losing our wives. We're afraid of losing our kids. We're afraid of, of losing our parents. And, and that's scary. But you know, one of the scariest things to me is that I stand before God. And he looks down at me and said, Jimmy, you're good for nothing. I, I gave you everything. I gave you mercy. I gave you love. I, I gave you salvation. I gave you the word of God. I gave you the Bible. I gave you the church. I gave you fellowship. And you have done nothing with it. You're good for nothing. I don't know about you, but that scares me. It scares me. But I find that it doesn't worry a lot of Christian people today because they don't care what God thinks of them. It, it scared Paul that he said, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. He said castaway. He didn't mean like uh, uh, God throwing him away or anything. He, he says he's going to, be, uh, going to be lost. In the context, he's talking about the ministry that he was involved in. He's the scariest thing in my life that God would put me on the shelf and never use my life again. 
I say the worst thing that can happen to a Christian is where you get to the place where you're good for nothing. And when that day that we stand for God, we stand in the glory world of God, and you have nothing to give God, no, no rewards, no crowns, nothing that you work, and all you have is ashes in your hands, and, and you say, Lord, I, I, I worked and I told all my time, and this is what I got to give you, these ashes. God says, you're good for nothing. You're good for nothing. God has invested in you and I this morning. And he got nothing back from his investment. Do you know, realize this morning you had been invested into? He's invested in you the best that he has in us. He invested his blood in us. He invested his precious word in us. He has put a treasure in this bank account that he calls us, his children. And he's like every one of us. When we make an investment, when we put something into something, we expect something in return. That is what is expected of you and I this morning. Something in return from what God has done for us. He expects some interest of what he has invested in this morning. He expects when He comes that He will find us being faithful and have reproduce some of the investment that He's made into you and I this morning. But can I say this, and I don't mean to be offended to anyone, but some of us are good for nothing. And if that doesn't bother you this morning, Something's wrong. But if it does bother you this morning that God can look at you and say you're good for nothing, good because it is high time that we get to the place where we say, Lord, make my life good for something. God, use me to be a blessing to someone else. Use me to lead a sinner to Christ. Use me to edify the body of Christ. God, use me in thy service and thy, and thy shape and form and fashion. Help me to be what I need to be. God, do something that everybody knows that I am your child. You could be young or old. You're saved. God can use you in His service. God can do something with you this morning. And He wants you to find what He has in store for you. That He might be useful in the, to serve the Master this morning. Paul said, but in the great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, <laughs> but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to 
That means that there are those sitting in churches a day of, of gold and silver that brings honor to the God, but also on the same flip side of that, there are some sitting in churches that have wood and earth that bring dishonor to the Father this morning. God uses his vessels every single day. He can grab it and use it to be a blessing to someone else. God puts something in you that uh, he can use to help someone else. God uses us every day. But there are vessels of dishonor. There are vessels that God knows I can't do a thing with them. and They're not usable. So I'm just going to stick them on the shelf. And the reason why God puts them on the shelf is because they're already full of themselves. I can't do nothing with that. I would like to use them to be a blessing to others, but I can't because they're simply good for nothing this morning. Does that scare you? Does, does, does that make you think, Lord, what do you think of me? Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Am I serving the way I'm supposed to serve you? Am I being what you want me to be? Does that scare you this morning? That God can consider you good for nothing. I want to show you something about a Christian that is good for nothing this morning. How you can tell in your own personal life and I, I'm preaching to myself because it hit me. It, I'm preaching to myself this morning. How can we tell if we are indeed a Christian that is good for nothing this morning? Look back at Jeremiah with me this morning. I, I want to be what God wants me to be, but I find a lot of times we get full of self. And when we get full of self, God cannot use us. Those that are good for nothing are planted. When I say planted, I'm not talking like in Psalms 1, uh, Blessed is the man that walketh not in counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. Not like that planted. You see something about this girdle? He took this girdle and he hid it in the hole of a rock. And this girl is planted in the dirt. That's not where this girl is supposed to be at. A girl is meant to, uh, to be a, a just like a, a belt that you have on this morning, men. It's called, I got mine on, it's called a ratchet belt. It does two functions. First function, it holds my pants up because believe me, if I take it off, they fall off. But it makes a fashion statement. It does. It's fashion. It, in fact, you, you'll never see me wear a black belt or brown socks. I don't do that. You see me with a black belt on, you guarantee I got black socks on. If you see me with a brown belt on, we guarantee I got me brown socks on. But let me say this. 
Every man ought to wear a belt. Every man ought to wear a belt. If you ain't got one, let me know. I'll buy you one. But I'm tired of seeing people run around like this. Amen. It's a function. This girl is a function that it is needed. Can I say God's people have two purposes in life? We ought to be useful. We, we are functional. We are not just glass uh, uh, in a showcase. We're not a, a, a trophy in a showcase for God. We're called to get our hands dirty in this world. We're called to do something in this world this morning. And we're called to be God's representative on earth this morning. We're called to serve Him. We are functional this morning. On the same token, we are also called to shine forth the praises of God. He called us out of the darkness and hid His marvelous light. People should be able to look at you and say, that person knows Jesus Christ. I've watched their testimony. I've watched their walk with God. I've listened how they talk. And let me tell you what, I've heard Christian people talk today and they're not talking like Christians. They talking like the world. They got too much of the world in them. Christian people need to be separated and step out of this world. Be ye separated, the Bible said. We have to put on the girdle this morning. This girdle was planted and you can't even see it. Can people see God in you? Is your testimony shining forth in this world today? When they look at you, they say, hey, there's something deep and different about that person. Their walk is not like the other walk. Uh, their talk is not like the other talk. Uh, there's something different there. There's something planted deep down inside of them, and it's the Word of God. And the same problem with the salt this morning is then for good, thence for good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under the feet of men. You know what that means? When a salt has lost its savior, somehow or another it be lost, it got wet, it got dried out and everything. What he's saying is the salt has lost its savior. You know what it does? Take that salt, what they did, they took that salt and they threw it in the road to fill potholes and let those who come by trot on top of it. God is saying the same thing about you and I. Hey, you've done lost your Savior. You done lost your saltiness. You done lost the, the glory of God. And what I'll do, I'll cast you out. Let you be trodden by the men of this world. <laughs> I read a story. I thought it was real good. His name was Reuben Johnson. Years ago, he was in prison for life. At that time, the governor of this prison had thousands of people in it. It's overcrowded like they are today. And the governor said, we're going to give ten pardons. 
They didn't know who was going to be pardoned. They're everyday common criminals, thieves, murderers. All these were in jail. And they called all the prisoners into the main room, the main gathering area. And said, the governor has given ten pardons. And as I call your name, I want you to stand up and come and receive your pardon. And they started down the list. They got their name. <coughs> Reuben Johnson. They knew he was there. He hadn't escaped. He was there. Nobody moved. Reuben Johnson. Nobody moved. Reuben Johnson. He finally said, hey, Reuben, they're calling your name. So he goes up. He receives a pardon. He don't know what's happening to him. He receives a pardon. He goes back and sits down right where he got up from and sits right back down. He said, all right, that's all. Now those that did not receive the pardon can get up and we'll go back to cell. Reuben Johnson got right back up with everybody else and was heading back to cell. They said, oh, Reuben. The guard said, hey, Reuben, 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 wait a minute, buddy. You have been pardoned. You're no longer in this crowd. I thought, boy, what an amazing story for a Christian today. We, we have been pardoned from this world. We've been pardoned from our sin. Our problem is we're still walking with the same crowd over and over and over again that we still look like them. And God cannot use us because we're walking with the same crowd every day. You have been pardoned. You have been bought by a price. Jesus shed his blood on the cross of Calvary to purchase you. You are being set free. You're pardoned. Come out from among them. Reuben, you're no longer a prisoner. You're free. Don't walk with the same crowd that God has set you free from. Don't, don't let the same change that had you bound to this world keep you bound when God sets you free. Those that are good for nothing are planted. Planted in the everyday world. And God says, I can't use you. I, I can't use you. You're good for nothing. Those that are good for nothing are polluted. He puts this girdle in a hole under a rock. In verse 7, he digged and took the girdle from the place that the girdle was marred. You know the Bible uses that same word in Isaiah 52, talking about Jesus. The visit was so marred more than any man. That word marred means tired of pieces, messed up. It's not what it should be. This girl, girl was polluted. It was marred. You know what polluted the girdle? It says right here. Had too much of the world on it. Too much of the world on it. Had too much of the world around it. He put this girl down in the earth and the dirt and covered it with a rock. Can I tell you what messes up a Christian today? 
they got too much of the world on them. You can spot a good-for-nothing Christian today. It's when you got more of the world in you than you have of God. You love the world more than you love God. You love this more than this. That's what pollutes a Christian today. We about saw it when he cast it out. It was polluted. It was in the context, Matthew said, do you know what polluted salt is? That's when he lost the saving and all this stuff. And they threw it out raw. They, they took the salt from the earth. And take away the, so that it, it may be something usable. But if it's not used, it goes back from which it came from, the earth. Lost a savior. And you get exposed to the world and you leave God out of your life. You'll lose your saltiness and you lose your flavor. It's polluted. Did you know what happens to a child of God? And I'm speaking for all of us this morning. We're living in a day where many of the churches and the preachers today have lost their saltiness. This message can be a little salty this morning. But that's what we're called to be. We're called to have a little bit of salt to us. We're called to have a little bit of bite. In us. Everything today is slick and smooth. I just love these TV preachers. It ain't salt anymore, sugar. We have have all the Christians today have become diabetic because the preacher is throwing out nothing but sugar. And you eat sugar for so <laughs> What happens when you constantly consume sugar? There you go. You need more than a ratchet belt. That's, that's what preachers have done. That's what churches have done. We just become so sugar. I don't want to upset anybody. I don't want to make any mad. I don't want anybody leaving because what I've said, but let me just say this. God said you are salt and that's a little bite to you. We need a mixture of salt and grace. Don't get me wrong, we need grace. But it shouldn't always be all grace. You need, you need some bite to you. Preacher, preachers need to start telling people exactly what they need to hear. Sin is sin, and God don't love it. You keep saying, hey, everything's all right. Today's the best day. Every day's a Friday. Oh, give me a break. Tell you. We need to be woken up out of the sleep that we have gotten ourselves into. And I blame preachers in the pulpit 
When you get up and start preaching, everything's good, everything's all right, everybody's going to heaven, ain't nobody going to hell. Something wrong. That's not what my Bible said. Those that don't believe and trust and know Jesus Christ as their Savior, you're going to hell. Now sugarcoat that, buddy. Everything is slick today. Bible said, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. God tells us we need a mixture of salt and grace this morning. You know, you know what salt does? Salt makes you thirsty. Boy, you get, you get to eating salt, you got, you got to have you some drink of water. Amen. You got, you got to have a drink of water, especially something real salty. You got to wash that down real quick. God said you got to be salty. God also said you are the, he is the water of life. And he said, if you're salty enough that other people see you and they come and stand next to you, they start seeing that salt on you, how you are a child of God, and that salt is start rubbing on them. And then they got to come to the water of life and take a drink of it. And when they come and take a drink of the water of life, they've got like, you've got to be salty about you. I don't want to be good for nothing. What about you? You realize you still have a fulfilled your purpose in God while you either go to school, go to your job. You can live for God right where you are. A girl's an everyday belt. They used it all the time. Salt is just an ordinary salt on the table. Every time you go to your table, there sets your salt and pepper. Amen. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a singer. You don't have to be a teacher. All you have to do is make your mind up. Say, Lord, I'm going to live a clean life for you. I'm going to live a separated life for you. I'm going to bring you glory this morning, Lord. I'm going to have some saltiness to me, Lord. I'm going to be functional. And God used me for purpose this morning. I don't know if it bothers you or not. That the Lord looked down and say, I died for you. But you're a vessel of dishonor. You're good for nothing. God says we have potential. But some Christians have wasted their potential. The girdle is the potential. The salt has the potential. But it can't be used if it's good for nothing. If it's laying around in the dirt, it's good for nothing. If the salt is being walked on, tried on, 
It's good for nothing. We're still walking with the same crowds. We still have the same mindset. We still have the same thoughts that we had before we got saved. We've gone back to the old ways. We've gone back from the ways that God has pardoned us from. He said, I want to use you a vessel of honor. I don't want to be a good-for-nothing Christian this morning. I don't want to be a castaway this morning. My question is this morning, are you doing nothing? Are you doing nothing? I believe it's time for us to wake up and get back to doing what God has commanded us to do. Walk this earth and bring praise and glory to him. And you do that, you'll be a functional Christian that God can use in every aspect of your life. I, I want to hear, welcome thy in, thy good and faithful servant. I want to hear that. It, it, it fears my heart, it fears my soul. Depart from me, you work of iniquity. They came to him, did we, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not heal the sick in your name? And, and I think that's where Christian people are today. Didn't we do this in your name? Didn't I come to church in your name? Didn't I read the Bible in your name? What did Jesus say? You give me lip service, but your heart was far from it. I told the guys this morning, talking about uh, people don't come in church no more. We don't have churches anymore. People not having churches. In fact, the church down the road just started back to service today after almost two months. So what happens to those that don't come back because they got out of the habit of coming to church? <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were doomed to go out anyway. Church should never be a habit. Church should be a desire in your heart to be there every time. And if you have desire, God can use you. God can use you. I don't want to be a good-for-nothing Christian. I don't believe anybody sitting here this morning does not want to be a good-for-nothing Christian. I, I believe every one of us have a desire to serve God to the fullest of our ability. Somewhere along the line, we have set down on God. God is trying to tell us, hey, you can become good for nothing. I don't want to do it.